Welcome to the Simply You podcast, where I will be sharing health and fitness tips and tricks and information, and anything and everything about being a mom. My name is Kate Contreras, and I am with Kate Nicole Fitness. I am a certified personal trainer, wife, and mom of three. My husband and I have been married for nine years. We have three girls, seven, five, and five months. Needless to say, the last year has been quite a whirlwind learning how to be a family of five and having three kids, one being an infant, and we are just working on figuring out what our new norm is. Thank you so much for joining me for my Simply You podcast, and I'm excited to share with you. Okay. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining me today. And I'm super excited. And I know I say that like every time, but I'm super excited about this podcast. And um, I wanted to ask this person if they wanted to be on my podcast. And um, she kind of was like, hey, I'd love to do your podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, So I'm super excited. um, And I'm just gonna let her introduce herself. So I'm Kristen Burris. I'm a therapist at Resonate Relationship Clinic in Overland Park. And she is my therapist and she's amazing. So, um, okay. Um, why don't we start off with like all the things that you do? Like all, like certifications, specialties, like all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist Um, a licensed master's addiction counselor. I have a certification in uh, specialty in trauma and also a certification in anger management. Amazing. Um, And what is the difference between like, you're not a psychologist. Right. So what is the difference between like what you do and a psychologist? So most psychologists tend to do, they do therapy like I do, um, but a lot of times they'll take a track where, where they do things like testing. Um, so psychological testing for like ADHD, bipolar, schizophrenia, things like that. That's, that's one of the tracks that a lot of psychologists do. Okay. And so um, marriage and family therapists are, are like social workers, um, like, um, like licensed LPCs, licensed professional counselors, like we all kind of do the same thing as far as like clinical therapy goes. Okay. So do you have, do you have like letters after your name? Yes. Okay. So what is, what does that look like? And what are the, what's that stand for? Oh my gosh. Okay. So the, um, licensed clinical marriage and family therapist is LCMFT. Okay. The licensed master's addiction counselor is LMAC. And then the trauma certification is like, um, I always forget because it's certified clinical trauma professional, CCTP. Okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, the anger management is just kind of like a certification. Like I think it's CSAM, like clinical specialist in anger management or something okay. like that. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then, okay, so a little backstory about me and then how I started um, seeing Kristen. Um, 
my husband and I were going to um, doing couples counseling with um, another therapist in the same office. And then I had gone to him on my own and I said, um, I have, you know, all these things going on, um, but I don't feel like it's like too much and I don't feel like it's um, like too much on my plate, but I just can't figure out how to juggle it all. And through our conversation, he said, um, well, I think you have anxiety. And I was like, well, no, because I'm not worried about things. Um, and he was like, but you've been performing at a really high level for 30, I think it was 38 at the time, 38, 39. I'm 41 now as of yesterday. Um, so he's like, you've been operating up here for like 38 years of your life. He was like, nobody can sustain that. And I was like, oh. Okay, so that's one thing I learned was that anxiety is not just like, oh, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. Um, and then he said, I really think that you should go see Kristen. She specializes in EMDR. Um, and that was like life changing. So I want you to tell everybody that doesn't know what EMDR is, what it stands for, what it does, and all of that. Sure. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And the best way to explain it is it mimics REM sleep. And so the same way that you process when you're dreaming, all the fun things that happen during the day, good and bad, we get to process while you're awake. And so you're more cognizant of the processing um, and we can kind of talk about it and go over it. And a lot of People will get um, will get some good uh, good relief from from their from their traumas, from their anxiety, from the depression, like whatever's causing it. And how do you decide if you want to try EMDR with um, a client versus just conversational therapy? I don't know what you just call like regular sure. therapy. <laughs> Talk therapy. Okay, yeah. talk therapy, yes. Um, yeah, I know. It's a little coin phrase, but it's talk therapy. So, you know, part of the EMDR process is, like, assessing people for readiness. So, um, you know, they'll come in, take a history, tell me their story, and I kind of look at, like, okay, what what's going on? Are they ready to go move into trauma therapy? Because some people are, are so... Um, triggered that we kind of have to learn how to ground and do some other things first and that's where like a lot of the talk therapy will come in and so we learn skills um, to manage whatever it is whether it's depression or anxiety so that you can be at a somewhat manageable level so then we can move into trauma work or trying to process some of the things that have happened in your life so that you can um, to get some benefit from from EMDR. Okay so um, does EMDR erase, um, your past, um, how does it help with trauma and anxiety, um, as far as like you're processing it, but how does that, what does that look like? Sure. That's a great question. Um, a very frequently asked question actually. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and it is that, um, that you don't forget. It doesn't erase it. We're not changing memories. Um, a lot of people who, um, like a lot of people who survived, uh, like, like 
wars and things like that, like they don't want to forget that trauma because it means something to them, right? Mm -hmm. It represents something to them. So we're not erasing these memories. We, we look at things about like how much they bother you, right? So it's these things that have happened in our past, whether they're events or things that we've witnessed, emotions that we feel, whatever it is, is like we look at, okay, how much does this affect you today? And then we look at like that as a bother. So it could be anxiety, anger, fear, um, all of those things that, that that event or series of events then affects you today. And then so we want to take it so that it doesn't bother you anymore. So that when similar things happen or something that reminds you of that thing, then you don't react in the same way. Okay. So you react in a different level. So it's basically taking the triggering aspect away from a situation that may continue to occur. Like if you have... Um, a family member or um, I'm not gonna say friend because you can always kind of nix friends. <laughs> but if you have a family sure. member that can tend to trigger you, that's something that you can deal with through the talk therapy, but also EMDR so that you're not triggered and can better set your own boundaries when dealing with that person. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up boundaries because when we're talking about events with people um, and trying to keep yourself safe, right? Because that's all we really want in this world is we all just want to feel safe and and loved and understood. And so to keep yourself safe. So let's say um, this person is your mother. She, She triggers you for some reason because maybe, you know, she told you that you... You ate too much cake as a kid, like, you know, all kinds of things can, can happen like that. And then, so every time she mentions something about your weight or, oh, you know, it looks like your clothes are getting too tight. Well, then you get re-triggered from these events that happened in your past. So part of it is setting up boundaries and like having a discussion with this person saying, you know what, this thing is hurtful to me. And I would prefer you not say that. A lot of times people don't keep your boundaries. So then we have to, so that's part of the talk therapy, right? As we work through um, boundaries and, and skills for dealing, dealing with things like that. But then if we work through those past events, those past feelings, those past traumas around um, eating or someone mentioning weight or clothes, like um, then it doesn't trigger you. You don't get that feeling of shame or that feeling of sadness or that feeling of guilt. Um, you just know that it's, it's just a statement that somebody makes. Okay. Um, so I, I just had a question. Oh, okay. Explain. So, um, the eye movement therapy disassociation, um, Mm -hmm. that a lot of times is done. And I actually saw um, an episode of Grey's Anatomy where one of the characters was having this, the eye movement therapy and they're watching like a, a light. Now, right. you don't use that. Uh, explain to people that don't know um, what you use and kind of how it works. Sure. So EMDR relies on bilateral stimulation. And so that could be a light where your eyes are moving back and forth, just like in REM sleep, right? It's the eye movement part of the MDR. Some people um, prefer like 
they, we call them paddles and they're just little um little things that you hold that vibrate um and then there's also a um you can do it in an auditory way where you put headphones on and then it's a tone on one side and then the other side so the basic concept is always one side of the body another side of the body mm-hmm. so it, it doesn't matter how that happens whether your eyes are moving or whether you've got stimulation from the vibrations or stimulation from the auditory um, it works approximately the same so it's it's going am i understanding this right so it goes from one side of your brain to the other based on the vibration Right. So it's, it's more like the stimulation part, right? So it's not necessarily going from one side of your brain to the other. It's, um, it's processing in a deeper level than we can when we're awake. And so it's just the, so like, for example, when I was in training, um, I didn't do well with, with the finger movement back and forth, which nobody had any equipment. So that's how we had to do it. Um, it made me a little bit dizzy. So my partner had to tap on my knees. So like one knee, the other knee, one knee, the other knee. And so that's how I did my processing because I couldn't stay focused on the finger Mm -hmm. going back and forth. And so that's why there's different modalities and, and people do it different and they all supposedly work approximately the same. Okay. Um, and then, so I want you to explain because I'm so fascinated with EMDR because I had never heard of it until Grant had mentioned it and yeah. going through um, the process and um, the work with EMDR is like, seriously, if you guys have never heard of it, like look it up. Um, do you feel like anybody could benefit from EMDR? I have used it in so many different capacities. So it's it's typically touted as like a trauma mm-hmm. thing, um, but I have definitely used it for phobias. Like I had somebody who was afraid of storms and we had done some previous EMDR work like on her trauma. So she was kind of already prepped for it, um, but she just happened to mention this, this storm thing. And so we did a little bit of work and she was able to not check her weather apps 15 times you know, in a minute when there was a storm the next time, um, I've used it for like some OCD, which is really just an anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Um, OCD, phobias, trauma, depression. Um, you know, there's, uh, we, I've, I've asked people questions. They're like, I don't know what to do about this situation. And so I'll be like, okay, well, let's just ask your brain. That's the way I like to say it. We're just going to ask your brain. Oh, Um, I like that. Yeah, just we'll, we'll just ask your brain because I'm not really doing anything other than like recording and then sort of interpreting back to people mm-hmm. what is coming up for them while we're doing the EMDR. And so um, I had a lady and she's she was like, I don't know if I should. She divorced her husband and she couldn't get him out of her mind. And so she said, well, I just, you know, I kind of feel like I want to go back. And I said, let's just ask your brain what would happen if you went back. And so we did some EMDR and she replayed all of the negative things that had happened during the marriage. And she opened her eyes and she said, now I remember why I left. (laughs) So it was a really good way for her to like, you know, process through the, Mm -hmm. just the question itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's so amazing um, how 
you don't even know that you have certain triggers. And let's be real, everybody has baggage. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think every single person should go to therapy and can benefit from therapy um, yeah. and EMDR because we all have, I mean, I don't know a person that doesn't have something that's going to trigger them or something that's, you know, and one thing that I had to accept, I think, was um, when you hear the word trauma, it's usually like abuse, um, PTSD for those that went overseas, like big, big things. But it's not. Right. Everybody, everybody deals with trauma in some way, shape or form. And it was really hard for me to kind of admit and accept that I, and even say like, I have, I'm dealing with trauma from my childhood because I, I didn't know, I didn't know if it was okay to say that word trauma because it's typically held. I mean, we always hear it with, um, military and, right. you know, abuse, um, right or accidents things like yes, that. yes big big yeah. you know ordeals big events. yes mm -hmm. big catastrophes yeah. big events um so maybe explain a little bit about trauma and maybe people that are listening um didn't realize that they are suffering from from something that and it's you know that would be trauma to them yeah well, first of all, everybody's trauma is their own, right? So you can you can take somebody who's had horrific abuse and you you can't really compare them to somebody who had, you know, like like my example before, like the mom that was saying, you know, oh, you're eating too much cake or you'll never fit into that dress or you know, it's it's your experience, your lens mm -hmm. of the world. And that's what trauma does is it, it it changes your lens of the world. It changes how you see yourself, it changes how you see others. And it changes, again, the safety, how you feel safe in the world. And so trauma can range, you know, we, we call them big T's and little T's. So big T's are the things that, that everybody understands and knows about, um, you know, uh, sexual assault and mm -hmm. abuse. And, um, but also, you know, not just physical abuse, but mental abuse, mm -hmm. emotional abuse. Um, those are the things that people really will brush off. And those are uh, it, the most damaging a lot of times is, is the emotional abuse. Um, because bruises heal. <laughs> right. And none, none of right. it's okay, but bruises heal. Right. Um, the other stuff and the other stuff that comes along with the, with the physical abuse too. I mean, it's not just, yeah. you know, something that you necessarily can get over yeah. because, oh, the bruise is gone. Um, Cause it's all mental and emotional while I think the physical is happening as well. But I think it's, yeah. um, I feel like it's harder to maybe acknowledge, um, when you're like, well, you can't see it. Like right. you can't, you can't well, see I mean, the other time. I mean, you can see the physical abuse. You yeah. can't see the, the other. Yeah. Well, and that's the, the problem with the stigma of the mental health is that people can be suffering in complete silence mm -hmm. and they're dying inside every day, but they put on this face and they walk around the world like everything's fine and nobody knows what's going on because they don't have a broken arm or they don't have mm -hmm. cancer and haven't had treatment and lost all their hair or, you know, they don't have a big, you know, gash across their face. Like 
this is this is the problem with this with the stigma is they're like well you seem fine what do you mean you have trauma you seem fine i see i talk to you every day mm-hmm. you're you're good and it's like no this is this is all internal right. it's in your body it's energy in your body it you these are things that you have to get out um so that so that you can live a fulfilled life mm-hmm. yeah um man i mean i just i can't say enough things about um, about EMDR and I mean, obviously you as a therapist, um, and, um, but explain a little bit more. So when I, when I first started EMDR with you, um, Mm -hmm. you said, um, and you, you have the, these little paddle things that you hold. I mean, they're tiny. Mm Um, you have them vibrating slowly when it, when, um, as if I'm remembering correctly, so they're, they're slow, they vibrate back and forth. And then you said, you know, think of like a calming place or like what, you know, makes you calm and, um, that you do. So the slow vibrations when thinking Uh of a calming scene or scenario, right? Right. And what does that do? Sure. So that's really the first. So the first step is assessing somebody for readiness for EMDR. And then when you decide that you're ready to do it, we do what's called the complex, exactly what you called it. And the slow, um, the slow back and forth, the slow stimulation, the bilateral stimulation is for what we call installation. So that's, that's putting something inside, um, in your brain. So that you can use it as a resource, also called resourcing, okay? Okay. And so a resource just like you would any other um, coping mechanism, right? And so it's it's sort of the the goal is we we take a picture and with that picture we add a name to the to the picture, right? We call it something and then adding a sense of calm and safety. And so what what the goal is, is when you think the name of the place, you suddenly feel calm and safe. And so that's a good resource for people, especially people who are really anxious or, um, you know, if if they're, if they have a lot of, um, hypervigilance, you know, loud noises, scare them, things like that. Um, it's good to have a calm place. You can just kind of like relax for a minute, you go to your calm place, the, the picture comes up, the feeling of calm and safety, all that happens. Okay. Um, and my calm place when we went through this was um, a lake, like water, um, which you said yeah. is, um, for a lot of people, it's water. Very common. Yeah. Um, Ocean, water, stream. Yes. Which is, makes sense why they make so many like little waterfalls that you can put on your desk or like bigger ones in your house and things. Um, so that is one thing that I am, um, after doing that, I'm like, okay, like I'm putting water fountains everywhere because I just can feel the calm when the, when there's water, what just calming water around. And I, um, the, I just thought about this. Um, so we have a noise machine that Mm -hmm. we started using because when we lived in California, um, it was, you know, nice year round and we would put a box fan in our window year round and have it going. So it's a really loud fan. Right. And then we moved here mm-hmm. and we're like, 
Oh my, I was like, it's so quiet. And my, my husband can sleep through anything, but I'm like, it's so quiet. And then we found yeah. if the girls listen to it, um, you know, as babies and everything, then they don't get startled by the loud noises because they have right. that white noise. Um, and it's, a, I have the ocean sound. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I keep it on. And ocean, it just dawned rain. on me that, yeah, like, I know, I know. That's so crazy. Um, Okay. So then after we did, we did the calming and that, and uh -huh. so just to reiterate, so you're saying that that is instilling kind of like putting inside of you, um, that calming feeling so that you can tap into that when you're kind of feeling overwhelmed, anxious and whatever, and yeah. just be able to get back to that calm place. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, um, where do you go from there as far as dealing with the traumas and the triggers and, and all of that? with a patient? Yeah. So the next part is the processing part. And I like to start with something small. So I use a scale of like zero to 10. So back to that, you know, how much does something bother you part that I was talking about earlier. So zero is something that doesn't bother you at all. And 10 is the most bothered you'd ever been in your life. So the most bothersome thing that you can think of. Um, and so we start with something small, like a two or three, uh, there's some things that people have to practice. They need to, you know, do like a third person so they don't get re-traumatized as we're doing processing. Um, you know, just a little bit of separation so you have to re-feel those feelings. Um, so we go for two or three and then, we, you know, once people are comfortable with the process and I understand how they work within the process, then we just kind of move up the ladder, you know, five, six, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, just however fast and it's all up to your brain and how, how fast your brain wants to like process stuff. Okay. So, so like if we're, cause I don't remember this, I remember the calm place, mm -hmm. but then I don't remember what we mm -hmm. did like next. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you say, okay, so what's bothering you on, right. So like how yeah. does, how does that start? Yeah. Well, so when I'm taking the history, I'm writing down all of the things that people are telling me that are bothering them, right? Everybody comes to therapy for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, you know, taking a history about like things, events that have happened to you in your life. And we talk about all the things that, that are traumatic. So I already have a pretty good idea of where those eight, nine, tens are. And so we start with something small because we want to practice on the easy things mm -hmm. and not practice on the hard things. Um, sometimes people's brains don't follow the rules and they'll, you know, go up into something a little bit more difficult, but we try to stay with something small in the beginning. Um, so that, so that every, like, it's kind of like practice. It's like practice. Mm -hmm. So that, that first thing, a lot of things people will pick for their two or their three will be like, uh, traffic or losing their keys or, um, you know, these little, these little things that don't plague you on a day-to-day -day basis, but that cause you some disturbance, okay. right? Okay. And then we just move up from there. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that was, um, really interesting to me and I don't, I want to say it didn't come up for a while, um, but I, I things that I didn't realize that had created trauma. I think that, um, and again, it's I don't want people to think that um, 
it has to be some sort of abuse or like PTSD right. from going, you know, being in the military, like any of these big things, right. but just little things in your past, which is, you know, like I said, we all have baggage and that's kind of what, what we call right. it as a society. Um, but things that I didn't even know that I was or had been feeling that I needed to process. And that's, and right. some of the things too, um, came after the therapy. Like, um, I don't, I, I don't even know if it was like the same day that I had come in and, and had done EMDR. Um, but I was sitting there watching a show, um, the voice and there was somebody, uh-huh. uh, young girl or whatever singing and her dad was there watching and he just starts crying and I just went and like felt like I got triggered and Mm -hmm. I know that my dad's proud of me um he's not super emotional um he compartmentalizes because he is a very emotional person um so he just tries to keep himself you know separate from that because he doesn't want to be that vulnerable um And I know he's proud of me, but it was just something about it. Like in that moment, seeing this dad like crying because he's so proud of his daughter and it was triggering for me. And I'm like, holy cow. Like I had, I literally had no idea because I know he is, but then it all like, and then, and you had talked about too, um, a few minutes ago about setting those boundaries, finding out like, you know, if you grew up with your mom saying certain things or whatever, and then you sit down and you can have that conversation. And I did. And I had that conversation with my dad and I was like, listen, like, I know that you're proud of me. Like if I, you need to leave, please. No, you need to go. When I'm done. Mom life. My five-year-old. Um, it's difficult with three kids and I think the baby's yeah. asleep in my husband's arms and so we've been trying to wrangle the older two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's awake now. Okay, thanks. Shut my door, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, in the new house, I'm going to have like my office in the basement. So hopefully yep. that'll be a good separation. <laughs> um, but um, so between that and then like my mom and I don't have a lot of boundaries with each other. Um, we always joke that we, you know, are codependent on each other. Like, I mean, we talk Mm -hmm. 10 times a day sometimes. Um, I mean, we talk every single day when I lived in California, we talked at least two or three times a day. (laughs) And even here we, I mean, I can walk to their apartment and we talk all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I grew up where you seeing that she never set boundaries. So I didn't know how to set boundaries and then learning how to do that and then sharing it with that person. Because, um, a lot of times I, you know, people have said, or, and I think people think like, well, I've always put up with this so Mm -hmm. that just, I have to keep putting up with it. You don't. Um, right. Just like on, um, it reminds me of super nanny. Um, did you ever yeah. watch that? Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I love have, her. I have before. I love yeah. her so much. Um, and so the, you know, the parents would, you know, I don't know how this happened and how my, you know, seven and nine year old, they just like punch us, like hurt us right. physically. Well, because wow. when they were one and two, you allowed it and then you kept allowing right. it, but that doesn't mean that you can't say, okay, now it's right. going to stop and hear the consequences. Um, you can yeah. always do that, whether it's in marriage and you've been allowing yeah. your spouse to treat you a certain way or um, 
take a certain role in the in the marriage and the relationship that can always be changed. Um, sure. It takes time. <laughs> if you don't yes. start off, you know, it takes more time after the fact than if you do it from day one. Um, but boundaries sure, are so important. And I think that needs to be talked about more too. I don't know that. Yes. Like, I feel like it's starting to become a little more like, you know, people talking about, you know, on podcasts I listen to and things like setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just kind of supposed to, if somebody needs help, like you help them. And if somebody this, then you do, you know, and um, again, I didn't grow up with my mom demonstrating boundaries. She didn't have right. any. And she still, <laughs> it, um, don't tell her I said this, it's 67 years old, um, is trying to still figure out how to set them and then also put them in place and keep those boundaries set instead of just letting right. them, you know. And so I sat my parents down and I was like, listen, I'm setting boundaries. Like, I can't make you have boundaries. That's on you, boo. Because like you mm-hmm. remind me almost every session, I can only control myself. <laughs> I can't That's control right. anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm setting boundaries. You don't have to be okay with it. Right. But I'm going to be, and I want you to be aware of this. You don't have to have them, but I'm going to. And yeah. this is kind of what it's going to look like. And I have um, set boundaries with the kids um, mm-hmm. yeah. when the, and I, when the kids are around, it's easy when they're, you're in a conversation with your spouse or a family member or a friend and the kids are like, mommy, mommy, da, 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 da. And you're like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. And I go, right. I'm in a conversation right now and I would, I will talk to you when we're done. Right. And so they'll come up and, um, a friend of mine, I don't know where she got this, but she did it with her daughter. If the girls want to come up and say something, they put their hand on our leg, then we put our hand on theirs. So telling them like, yes, I, I'm acknowledging you and I know that you're waiting for me and I will get to you as soon right. as our conversation is over. Yeah. And then yeah, we find great. kind of a stopping point and then I'm like, okay, honey, what would you like? Um, yeah. That's one that, you know, I'm still working on with my mom and my husband um, mm-hmm. is I'm setting the boundaries, but then you also need to set them with the girls because I want my kids to know that they too can set boundaries. Absolutely. So, I mean, even if it's easier to just be like, Oh, okay. You want whatever. Okay. Go ahead and blah, 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 blah. And then get back to the conversation. You're teaching them that you have no boundaries. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, think of boundaries the same way that you think of a fence in your backyard, right? So you put up a fence in your backyard to either keep things in or keep things out. And so boundaries in our life are just uh, invisible imaginary fences to keep what we have inside safe from the outside world, but also so that we can keep ourselves safe and keep our good feelings about ourselves inside and not let other people influence those things. I like that. I've never heard that analogy before. Boundaries are Mm -hmm. like a fence. Keep things in or keep things out. Yeah. 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 That's really good. Um, so if you were going to, so you go to, you assess someone and, um, 
how do you how do you decide or figure out? I, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, yeah. if talk therapy, because cause we did EMDR like every session for a while. I mean, I don't even, right. was it a year? I don't even know. And then now we oh, yeah. pretty much do more of the talk therapy. Right. Um, so obviously you come in for your first appointment and you kind of assess like, why are you here? You know, what are you struggling sure. with? Blah, blah, blah. Write those those things down. And then mm -hmm. do you, because we, I think we started the EMDR, my very first appointment. Yeah, we could have done the calm place at that time. Yes. That's possible. I, I try to do it, um, you know, if people, the calm place can be done. I don't care where you are in your life. Like that's a resource just like breathing, you know, like deep breathing or, um, you know, any other calming technique, like that's something everybody could benefit from. Um, so that, that one I tend to do pretty quickly, but I have to remember that I have to meet people where they are. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you were ready to go. Like you were like, I'm coming in hot. Yes. <laughs> I'm, uh, I need to get this stuff fixed. Like mm -hmm. I have a family to take care of, you know, so we jumped right in and did it. Um, I have another lady, she sought me out specifically to do EMDR, mm -hmm. um, and we haven't done it yet because she's not ready. So once I kind of explained it to her and told her, because it's hard, Kate, like, mm -hmm. you know how hard it is and people with really deep, long-term traumas, mm -hmm. you know, we, we call it that there's complex PTSD. So you have multiple traumas across different parts of your life or at different times of your life, different types of trauma. So the more complex it is um, and, the, and the more it affects you, it, it is hard work. Like I don't disillusion anybody that they're going to come in there and have a good time. I mean, I don't think I told you it was going to be easy, right? Yeah. I said, this is going to be hard, but I'm here for you and we're going to work through this. And I will commit to every client that I will walk you through this if you will allow me to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that's where people don't always allow that, right? They, they're, um, they're resistant for whatever reason, whether it's fear or shame or um, stigma, mm -hmm. like they, they can be un, unknowingly resistant, mm -hmm. right? And so, so this, this lady that I'm talking about, she, I know EMDR is the thing for her, but she's just not ready yet. Yeah. So I just have to meet her where she is. Uh -huh. And so we talk about things and we've done, you can only control yourself. And we've talked about boundaries and, you know, and all of this stuff. And so I just, you know, somewhat let the client guide me, um, about what they're ready for also. Okay. Which is why you're the professional, because you know, right. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know if they're ready or not? <laughs> That's why you went to school. <laughs> That's why I went to school. Yes. yes. Um, okay. Um, my husband brought this up. So um, if you have a spouse that you think would, um, which again, everybody can benefit from therapy, but... Um, sure. If there's a specific something that's going on um, with your spouse or your significant other, um, whether it's the two of you or just them individually that you think um, as the significant other, like, oh my gosh, they would really benefit from therapy, from EMDR, from talk therapy, from whatever. Um, what 
do you have anything that you would like, what would you tell me if I was like, oh my gosh, I really think my husband needs to come in. Um, but I don't know how to get him on board with coming in. Um, how would you help me like questions I could ask him or how I could kind of get him on board to even come in and, and try it? Yeah, I love your question. And I don't know if I have a, a whole answer for you. <laughs> I, there's no defining answer for that, right? It's a very broad question. And so well, and everybody's different of how they're going to respond. And, and yes, everybody's different. But, you know, I think, I think just trying to think of it in terms of, you know, if people can understand what their triggers are, right? So if you, if you have a, a good enough communication with your significant other, your partner, to talk about their triggers, and they have enough insight to go, yeah, this thing bothers me, mm -hmm. then that's when you can have a conversation and say, look, this thing comes between that this thing that bothers you comes into our marriage, into our relationship. And I think our relationship could be stronger if this thing didn't bother you anymore. So would you be willing to go have this thing not bother you anymore so that we can strengthen our relationship? Mm -hmm. That would probably be how I would put okay. it to my partner. Yeah. I like that. Um, and that's what I was gonna say. So back to uh, kind of the, that, it, you know, therapy and I think, you know, revisiting trauma and triggers in your life and things like it's hard. And I think a lot of people, hard. um, want to just shove it to the back and not deal oh, with yeah. it. Um, yeah. but I can tell you, and I was like, like you said, I was like, let's do this. Like I, I, yes. was, I mean, I was 38 when I was diagnosed with anxiety. Um, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with depression when I was 15. Um, when I was 26, 25, I don't know, something like that. Um, I was misdiagnosed as bipolar type two. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had been di diagnosed ADD. Um, and then it was not until being diagnosed anxiety and having it explained to me that it's not just worrying. It's, you know, like trying to function, right. you know, being perfect your entire life, trying to do that, mm -hmm. um, yeah. is traumatic. Um, yes. and it, um, so dealing exhausting. Oh my, I was like, I'm tired exhausting. all the time. And yes. I don't feel yes. like there's that much on my plate and I, but yeah. I can't, I can't function. I can't do it all. Um, so it is hard. And, um, even before when I would, I mean, I've been going to therapy off and on since I was 15 and I would feel worse sometimes after therapy than I did when I got there because you have to deal with the things to move right. on. And I can Right. say without a shadow of a doubt um that doing the hard work is 100% worth it and my quality of life um me as a mom um as a wife and just to myself like I'm such a better person my quality of life is so much better since yeah like just hitting it head on and just being like okay let's do this and then being and be willing yeah. to do the work yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really hard and it can be a difficult decision to make. Um, you know, again, I'm very upfront with people, especially when they start telling me their stories. 
um, you know, about like, this is, this is going to be tough. And like people, people will come in right after, um, oh, I had a client, she came in, she came in right after she had a near miss with a mugging and it had plagued her the whole next day um, after it happened. So nothing actually happened to her. Right. But, but the fear Mm -hmm. was in her. And so she came in the next day. She's like, do you have an appointment? I'm like, it's an emergency. She's like, it's an emergency. Do you have an appointment? I said, okay, I'll find a place for you. And so she came in and we cleared that out really quick with the MDR and she hasn't thought about it again since. So that's like catching things when they happen. So mm-hmm. if we're looking at traumas like car accidents, um, sexual assault, a big one, like if we can get that, get people in really quick, um, it doesn't take as long. Like I said earlier, when things are more complex or they've been in there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years for some people, mm-hmm. you know, when those things have been sitting around for a long time. So I would I say to everybody, sooner the better. You know, if somebody says, oh, my, you know, my cousin was in a horrible car accident and they, they can't get back in the car, I'm like, get them some help. Mm-hmm. Because the sooner you get in there and you do it, the faster you can get through it. And yes. so, um, so yeah, the, the work is hard. And I think you're right. Like, I've seen so many people benefit. It's hard for me to not... Um, to not believe in the work, you know, I mean, I know it's what I do and it's my job, but I also, I mean, I did my own therapy, you know, I did Mm -hmm. my own therapy for 12 years and then I decided to become a therapist. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I went from, uh, sales to therapy and, um, because I just loved how much I got helped, Mm -hmm. um, and how great a job she did to work through my stuff. And I was like, I feel like I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so I went to school and I did it. And my work was hard. Again, 12 years of therapy is a lot. Um, I think if I had had EMDR, it might've gone a little bit quicker. Um, but she was a lot like I am in that she was chat, like she would challenge me, you know, and all therapists do different things, not just different modalities like EMDR, mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, some, some challenge more than others do. I'm a challenger, mm. right? Yes. So I want to get in. <laughs> yes. Kate's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I want to get in and I want to help people. I want you to feel relief as soon as possible mm-hmm. because I know how hard it is to be anxious, to be depressed. I've been there. I've done those things. I've muddled my way through it. Um uh, with the help of a professional and, and I know that it's worth the work. And so I just, I'm very passionate about, about helping people. And so when they come in and and they're not ready, even if they're not ready for regular therapy, much less EMDR, I'm like, you let me know when you're ready Mm -hmm. because it's going to be, it's going to be a ride. And again, I'm on, I'm on the ride with you Mm -hmm. and I'll do my job. If you do your job. Yes. Um, and then I want to say that I've like, I've, I've had people, um, who have gone to therapy and they'll go and they're just like, oh my gosh, this doc, like this person was horrible and like, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's almost like dating. Like you have to find the person that meshes well with you. And I've been lucky. Like I, 
I've continued seeing like all the therapists that I have seen, um, pretty much we were good off right off the bat, but I mean, sometimes yeah. it might take you two or three or four, yeah. um, but don't give up. Like I don't, and right. don't think that like therapy is not going to work for you because of the, of one person, because maybe you just don't mesh. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a good therapist. Um, it's just not the right. right one for you and that's okay. Right. But just keep trying. Yeah. And a lot yeah, of therapists too, um, you can either do over the phone or in person, like, um, a 15, 20 minute, um, what do you call it? It's not, I always call it like an like interview, a, but like, it's, um, yeah, it's like a consultation. Yes. Call. It's like, like, a, like a, it's, a free consultation yeah. that you, yeah. so you can see if you mesh with that person mm -hmm. and if mm -hmm. it's free and it's, you know, you're only going to be stuck there for 15, 20 minutes, then you right. can go and, and check out other other people until right. you find the right therapist for you. Yeah. Because once yeah, you find I the right therapist, it's, I mean, that's, it's life changing. It it's life changing. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And, and I will say that the rapport that, that a therapist builds with a client is probably more important than any technique they use, whether it's EMDR, emotion mm -hmm. focus, I don't care what, what your, um, modality of choices it's the relationship and the trust and the understanding and then the safety between mm -hmm. a therapist and a client that is probably more important than anything because if anybody comes in and they don't feel safe with me i don't want them to work with me mm -hmm. i'm willing to work with them but i don't want them to work with me if for some reason they don't like me um that's okay just be like you know what i don't like you and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, thank you for telling me, you know, and it, it's, it's fine. You have to find someone that you click with Kate. You're, you're, it's, it's one of the most important things. And mm -hmm. if, if you're going to a therapist and you don't feel like you're getting anything done and you feel like you're putting the work in and, and maybe they, maybe all they do is, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And then, and then they just listen and that's great. But if you want to get things done, mm -hmm. Find a therapist that will get things done, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so everybody goes to therapy for different reasons. Um, but I, I agree. I think you should therapist shop. I really do. Um, you know, if you have to go to three or four different people to find the one that you click with, absolutely do that. I actually admire people that come in and they go, I'm interviewing therapists. And I'm like, absolutely. Mm -hmm absolutely good for you that's the best way to do it because it is one of the most important investments that you're going to make in your mental health and you better like that person you better click with that person and you better be safe with that person mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i interviewed for a parent stay out program for my mm -hmm. my oldest and then the younger one one followed um, seven different places, I think, before I picked mm -hmm. the right one for her. Same with pediatricians. Um, I think the one yeah. we have is the sixth one that I did. Um, mm -hmm. and I've, cause I want to feel safe with them when dealing with my child and my child's, um, you know, physical health. Absolutely. And I feel like your mental health is at least as important, if not more in finding right. the right person and, and sometimes having to do the work to even find somebody and then, 
you know, um, but again, if you just do the, you know, consultation and you just, just call and ask them. Yeah. And say, yeah. do you, you know, do you do a, um, do you have anybody that does, you know, we can do a consultation and they'll say, oh yeah, it's 15 minutes for free or, you know, half an hour and, um, just do a little consultation yeah. so you can see if, you know, if you're vibing and you think it's going to be yeah. a safe place for you. Cause if you're not honest with your therapist, then you're not being honest with yourself and then no work, can right. be, no true work can be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. I love that. That's so true, Kate, for sure. Like people, um, you know, they come in and they're like, well, if I'm being honest, <laughs> I'm like, if you can't be honest with me, this, you know, because there's a uh, confidentiality, right? Mm -hmm. And unless you tell me that you're going to hurt somebody, um, or if you're a kid, obviously, if somebody's hurting you, like, people can come in and they'd be like, yeah, I killed somebody in my past and I can't say anything. Like, I gotta lock that up. So it's this, it's one of the safest places you could, you could be. But again, we have to trust that person, right? You have to, mm -hmm. you have to vibe with that person and know that they will accept you no matter what you tell them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it, there, the therapy room needs to be a judgment free zone. So if you ever feel judged by a therapist, um, if you're willing to have the conversation with them, I would. If not, I would probably find another therapist. Just walk out, yes. <laughs> just, just bye. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and enlightening us about um, mental health, which is so, so important. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I hope that more people... Um, and, and if we keep the conversation going, then more people are going to feel safe, even going to therapy and finding their, their therapist they, that they feel safe with. Um, right. And EMDR, y'all, if you have not heard of it, you don't know anything about it, like look it up, um, call schedule play with Kristen because she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I will put in the notes, um, Resonate Relationship Clinic, um, which is in Overland Park, which is where you, um, where you're, um, practicing, pra thank you, yep. <laughs> where you're practicing, um, yes. and I'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Yeah. And I'd love to come back on if you want another topic. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like we could keep talking yeah. and I'm like, okay, we should, I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we should do like a mental health, um, series oh, absolutely. so yeah awesome yeah. thank right. you so much i appreciate it all right thanks kate i'll